Hi there. I screwed up again. Had too much data, so I gotta split this in two parts. So it's sort of been about a four hour podcast, which isn't good. You're not gonna get the usual. It's gonna be A and B without no intro or anything. You'll just go into the show. I'm gonna try that for a change where it's just split in two parts without my intro music on the part B. Just gonna start talking. So, uh, enjoy this. We have a lot of ha- time on our hands. So I had a lot of time on my hand to make this long podcast. I hope you have a lot of time to listen to it. Take care. Enjoy. Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. America is not prepared, and nurses are not being protected. I quit my job today. I wanted to work and I was assigned to a COVID patient on an ICU unit that has been converted to a designated COVID unit. None of the nurses are wearing masks, not even surgical masks in the hallways when they're giving reports to each other. I had my own N95 mask. I told my manager I understand we're short on supplies, but let me protect myself. Let me feel safe. I have family that I have to come home to, and the way things are looking, this isn't going to get any better. America is not prepared, and nurses are not being protected. And that is totally fake. Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 7th of April, Year of Our Lord 2020. Going a day early because I'm going to try to sneak in a fishing trip tomorrow. Um, how you doing in your world? I hope it's good. We are in week uh, four of lockdown. Things are going pretty good. I mean, we made I made a big trip out yesterday and uh, had to get animal food. So I went to a rural king which is not one of the cleanest places in the world, but it was very sanitized. I had my gloves and my mask on, and I went in and got her done. And uh, yeah, I felt more confident than I usually do. We, we have gone up here. But um, to the soundbite, that was all over Twitter. And CBS News carried it. In tears, a nurse says she quit her job after she was asked to work at Corona ICU without a face mask. America's not prepared. The nurses are not being protected. Instantly, people, of course, dogged it. What the fuck? This is criminal. Killing the healers as well as the sick. Donald Trump needs to be removed. He needs to be removed now. We are seeing in real time and horrifying reality the real-life consequences of individuals in leadership positions that have no clue what it means to lead. The historic incompetence of Donald Trump and company would be directly responsible for the deaths of thousands. Mark, I'm a nurse. This is bullshit. Unpossible. 
No one would ever make something like that, and CBS News definitely wouldn't just pick it up and run without verifying a story first, right? Yeah, where did you even spend one second vetting this before publicly posting it? Mindy Robinson for Congress said. Steph, what are the chances you verified this? Find out the hospital asked about this policy, this woman, you know, journalism. Marky, here you go. Steph, 93065. Nurse and marketing content creator. A pick. She's a crisis actor. Educated hillbilly. Shut the fuck up and do your job, you attention whore. Neon taser. No way. How could something like this have happened? This is surprises you, Stephen Miller said. Nurse Smollett. Amazing how CBS News ran with this without even checking out facts on our story. Amazing. Comfortably smug. The party man. The media blasts this hoax all over the internet. Then they have full-blown meltdown because Trump said FDA approved hydrochloroquine when actually they authorized it. Really is unlike Democrat candidates to jump all over a viral celeb-driven SOB story for attention that hurts out, turns out to be false, he says sarcastically. CBS's job is done. It's canon now. The media is not the problem from Stephen Miller because he went all over this. The fake is still up and you wonder why no one trusts us. And then, I am Avera, the nurse in the video, clarified her experience on Monday in a tweet. We were each assigned one N95 per one COVID patient room, but was not allowed to wear it outside of the room. Wear our own N95 mask around the nurse station or halls, which I came prepared with. So the story was totally fake. They later said, you have to get with her why she quit. But the left's big push right now, because we're going to do the same thing as we did yesterday, the ugly up front, get it over with, because today is supposed to be more fun. I got a whole bunch of gay shit and racist shit, and we're going to do a news and social media nuggets. Glenn Kishner is what they're pushing for now. Trump's conduct easily satisfies all three elements of involuntary manslaughter. In fact, his gross negligence is beginning to look more like conduct evidencing a conscious disregard of an extreme risk of death, serious bodily injury, equaling the standard for depraved heart, second-degree murder. There are op-eds. Has anybody found Trump's soul? So we've gone from... The last podcast, the blood's on his hand, to now he's purposely killing people in states that didn't vote for him. That, that's, that's what they're going with. Yeah. That, that, that's what their plan of attack is. I, I, I just think that's pretty ballsy, man. That's some ballsy ass shit. I mean, you're going full with he is purposely killing people. That, that's your play. Mark D. Levin, soon will start temporary internment. The likely would be done by using New York City parks for burials. Trenches will be dug for ten caskets in a line. Be done in dignity, order, and temporary manner, but it will be tough for New Yorkers to take. This tweet has gotten a lot of attention, so I want to clarify this is a contingency New York City is preparing for, but if death rate drops enough, it will not be necessary. He did a full scare tactic twin. People freaked the fuck out. And it was just to scare people. 
Representative Tavia Golninski. I can't take it anymore. I've been to The Hague. I make a referral for crimes against humanity tomorrow. Today's press conference is the last straw. I know the need for prosecution referral when I see one. Go Blue 44. An invitation to The Hague for crimes against humanity for pushing a drug that hasn't been tested for coronavirus patients. They're that depraved. They have that much TDS. But what they're forgetting is only your base eats this shit. Only the far left TDS. Detroit. This is from Byron York. And we're talking about Whitmer in the last podcast. She went out and made a shirt, that woman in Michigan. It, she did the Puerto Rico PR thing. Yeah, she thought it was going to be cute. This is what they wrote. He shared it. Because she's also assumed the role of designated Democratic attack dog in the crisis, appearing almost daily on cable news shows to criticize the administration handling of the virus response. That creates confusion about whether Whitmer is advocating for her Michigan constituents or carrying out her duties as co-chair of Joe Biden's presidential campaign, or worse, serving her own ambition to be vice president. Trump apparently thinks it's the latter. He singled out the governor for particular disdain, repeating often the unsupported claim that Whitmer is mishandling the crisis in her state. Last week, he demanded her be referred to as the woman in Michigan. She responded by showing up the late-night talk show wearing a T-shirt bearing those words while disingenuously declaring that this is no time to play politics. <laughs> if Whitmer is doing such a bang-up job in Michigan, these are replies, why does her neighbor state of Ohio with a Republican governor who doesn't spend all the time criticizing Trump doing exponentially better in total cases and deaths? And Ohio has three large metropolitan areas, not one. That's what Democrats do. They always play games with everything that's in Hawaii. Nothing ever gets fixed. They always got an angle trying to play it or just make it drag out as possible. Which brings us to our stats. And it's clearly obvious as I play this soundbite. Yes, blue states have a lot of cases. But unlike red states, which I'll get to in a second with the stats, because that's how they're playing the red-blue thing. We aren't in our parks. Go home! So fucking tragic. Shame, look at this girl coming in hot. Shame on de Blasio, shame on Cuomo, shame on the New York City Parks and Recreation Department. Why the fuck have they not closed all of these public parks? Just your average fucking Sunday in New York. These fucking idiots. Go home! So let's let's go over the stats. And once again, I, I do not relish in this. I don't do this because I think this is a red-blue issue. I don't. It's a fucking virus. It, it does what it fucking wants to do. But the left wants to play politics on this. They want to make sure that they can blame Trump or Fox or Christians or something for virus deaths and our inability to fight the virus or whatever the fuck they're going for. 
And those sound bites are all over Twitter. The media could access this. They want to go with the phone app one, which shows southern areas of the state, because that was a tweet that I played two podcasts ago, the south. Well, here's the difference between the north and the south. The north, New York City alone, this is last night at 7 p.m., they had 123,018 cases of corona. Overnight, they had 8,243 new cases, and they've had 4,159 deaths. The majority of the deaths have come from New York, sadly. Those sound bites of what you're hearing, people are not staying in place. They're not in their fucking house. In total of blue states 262,734 cases out of the total 364,000 so they have two thirds of it okay and then red states have a total and I, I made a spreadsheet and imported this directly from the official site this isn't me using a calculator. This is me importing Excel spreadsheets and separating states. 72,000 or 73,939 cases and 1,817 deaths. That's the red, and that's 27 states. 27 states, folks. Blue is 23 states. I'm not counting. Uh, Mariana's fucking Virgin Islands, Wuhan, repatriated, Diamond Princess. Uh, I did put Puerto Rico on the blue side. But they want to go with the phone thing. Well, well, getting back to my point, when I say I go to a national park, my national park is wildlife. It's not a park. The parks are closed. It's the fucking woods. So unless squirrels... Have COVID when me and my wife go out. There's nobody around us. We see cars. Bro, we're not stopping next to anybody. In New York, you go to the fucking park. It's a street. There's thousands of people. There are videos of tens of thousands of people walking around. And a goddamn drone telling them, make sure you do your six feet. Make sure you do your six feet. And they think that's awesome. That's why the media played it. Look at them reminding people of social distance. Nobody on that said, why the fuck are that many people the fuck out there? Why? But you're going with the status of phones. My area is a D-. minus. I've never seen such less civilian traffic. But nothing's changed on the traffic pattern because we're a major thoroughfare... For trucks. Trucks are still shuttling around from the yonder over by the lakes and the back country, the real rural, and I'm the rural on the edge of a city. Those roads still keep traveling normal because there's business going, there's people going to work that are still essential, there are soldiers still going to work, and there's trucks. So we've decreased, but we haven't decreased that much. Anybody along the I-24 corridor in fucking 
Tennessee, and I'm just going to specifically talk about Tennessee because this is what I know. <clears throat> Other than Nashville, there is no change in traffic patterns. You people in the South are horrible. We hope you get it. That's what the man was doing. That's what many lefties are doing once that photo, uh, the phone data came out. Inside Nashville proper, there are a B. That's because nobody's going to work anymore. They're working for home. So, of course, those stats are way down inside Nashville. But if they were honest with the traffic pattern, I-24, I-40, I-65 go through Nashville. There's no difference in traffic. There's less at 9. But the daily traffic has not changed because it's a major thoroughfare. People are still driving through there. So rural areas, of course the traffic pattern isn't going to change that much because it's not changing because of transit. Where the fuck do you think the truckers are driving, libs? They drive through the fucking country and back roads instead of going on the highway and staying away from the cities that are full of cases. It's horseshit. It's not an honest assessment of whether people are taking COVID serious or not. I can say in a county that's supposedly a D, our traffic is way down. People are not going out. They're going to the grocery store and they're coming home. That That's it. Later on in our section on this, there's actually journalists saying, why aren't you closing the grocery stores? That's how fucking stupid these people are. <clears throat> well, maybe you can go without food, Mr. fucking libtard, but the rest of us really can't. So, those are our stats. I don't do it to fucking be red and blue, but the media and the TDS people are making this red and blue. They truly believe that Trump and Fox are killing people, so red states are going to have a bunch of cases. The only one that has cases is Louisiana. Because Louisiana had Mardi Gras with a damn mayor, they didn't cancel it. Had they canceled it, we wouldn't have this problem down there, but we do. So we're going to go to This Is America, the worst things I saw this week. And unfortunately... Jake, the Dem Staffer Tapper, gets our dishonor. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing it. Liberal, this is America in 2019. If I can take a moment, I would like to speak directly to one person known to watch this show, or at least clips of the show, President Trump. Mr. President, I know you, like millions of Americans, are eager to have the nation go back to some semblance of normal. One of the questions the American people need answered for that to happen responsibly, what's the plan? Is there a plan for widespread testing of every American so as to isolate the virus the way other countries have done? When will there be enough tests for that to happen? How will they be administered? Who will pay for the tests? 
and the results? Who will notify us as to whether we've tested positive or not and what to do then? Is there a plan to make sure doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals finally are able to get the personal protective equipment or PPE that they need? Those healthcare workers are quite literally dying while they try to protect our society and save lives, and they're, they're begging for PPE. They don't need to be told that their governors or their hospital directors are doing anything wrong by trying to get those supplies to protect their lives while they try to save our lives. They need to know that there's a plan to get them the supplies they need. Governors and mayors right now are literally bidding against each other and against the federal government to try to get these supplies. This is escalating the prices and causing confusion and unnecessary bidding competition. Is there a plan to stop that? What is it? What about ventilators? New York City Mayor de Blasio said today would be the day his city could run out. Governor Edwards said his city or state could run out on Thursday. Is there a plan to expedite the manufacture of ventilators? It's still not clear whether you have fully utilized the Defense Production Act. Have you? Are any companies being compelled by the U.S. government to make ventilators? And when will they be made? When can hospitals get them? What about the cotton masks that the CDC is now suggesting that we all wear when we leave our homes? Is someone manufacturing them? How can we get them? Is there a plan? Please, Mr. President, the American people, they need answers to these questions. They are less interested in your popularity on Facebook. Thousands of Americans are in mourning. They're horrified when you make leering allusions to your history with models while discussing projection models of mass American deaths. Attacking governors and mayors and journalists for asking questions? That might please your fans. It doesn't save one life. This is not about winning a news cycle on Fox. Please. The American people right now need someone to explain what is going to be done to get us out of this. It's a moment that requires leadership. It requires honest information. It requires empathy. And it requires a plan. Do you have one? Yeah, he got some good, sweet, sweet liberal cred for that. And he felt proud of himself. But I, as many others, said, what the fuck, dude? He's talked about having companies. All you said is they're not doing it. Until the companies themselves had to come out and say, yeah, we're doing it. Then he talked about my pillow, and you guys mocked it in Christians for a fucking week. Every plan they put forward, you hyenas have just, just shredded it. As it won't work, or you bring on the contagion writer to say this is not preparation. It's clearly obvious this pandemic cut us with our pants down. You motherfuckers are bringing out George W. Bush, saying what kept me up at night was a quote from a book that was ancient that somebody was so bored they looked up. What kept me up in life, life night was a pandemic. The Obama administration was told to build up PPE stock and fucking ventilator stock off the H1N1, and they did nothing. 
You never researched to find out about it because you never rose the alarm about H1N1 or MERS or SARS or fucking any other thing that came across the board because you protected administration for eight fucking years. So the federal government did nothing to prepare for the next pandemic, and then it lands in Trump's lap, which you spent four fucking years investigating. We were on impeachment when this shit broke. And then you say, well, why isn't there 10 million fucking ventilators and billions of PPE? He did a soundbite this week talking about what they've shipped. This is what it sound like to you in the media. Lie, 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 lie. The moment he said how many millions have been shipped, how many fucking uh, masks and fucking fucking suits and da-da-da, Lie, lie, lie. Every journalist got on there. Ain't true. I don't see it. I'm talking to hospitals. They don't have any. I'm only talking to the fucking crisis actor. You guys blew everything off. So why would he? Am I saying they've handled it perfect? No. Have I said there's a culpability on a federal level from the last administration? I have. You haven't, Jake. They were warned in 2015 about this shit. They did nothing. They didn't build up these things. And the CDC is talking about cloth. Specifically saying cloth. Not cotton. Taking scarves and making masks. So, Tommy Vitor, well said, Media Matters, sends a message to Trump, this is not about winning a news cycle. Maggie Haberman, CNN Tapper, Mr. Trump, what's the plan? Ron Fournier, fair and urgent questions. Mark Dice, CNN actually aired Trump's conference, then you would know. Because a lot of these questions are answered, but Jim Acosta's not taking notes, and you're not airing it. He comes back with, he didn't say this. This guy is on a network that literally refuses to show airport-bound audience the real Donald Trump. James Wood, perhaps your network carried it. Ashley Stinnett, maybe a CNN Canada. Daily Beast, CNN Chief Jeff Zucker defends network to carry it and then defends not to carry it. Steve Guest, how penny is CNN today? They're not airing the coronavirus press briefing, period. Washington Examiner, for third day in the row, CNN waits until other than Trump talks. CNN has not said, hey, more than 40,000 people came after the ban from China. That's all over the news. Not on the air. Because liberal states didn't inform the goddamn travel ban. Why would they? Fuck Trump. So here's a second Jake with the PPE that they just ignored. Mardi Gras parades in Louisiana took place on February 25th, uh, just as the national outbreak was starting. In retrospect, if you knew then what you know now, would you have canceled Mardi Gras? Well, you know, you don't get a do-over like that, Jake. Uh, There was not a single suggestion by anyone, a doctor, a scientist, a political figure, uh, that we needed to cancel Mardi Gras. And, and, you know, in February we had a Super Bowl and it wasn't canceled and so forth. Um, so, so rather than look back, I am focused on today and going forward. 
We can't go back and change what did or didn't happen uh, before. And this is going to be an interesting study, and, and I'm, I look forward to, at some point, being able to figure out exactly what role that played. Uh, but right now, that is not our focus because it doesn't tell us what we need to know in order to go forward and save lives. The last seven days, FEMA has airlifted critical supplies and protective equipment from every corner of Earth. They're coming from all over the planet, including from within the United States, where the equipment isn't as necessary. Since last Sunday, cargo planes have delivered almost, listen to this, 300 million gloves, almost 8 million masks, and 3 million gowns, and uh, many more fully loaded cargo planes are right now on the way. Three big ones landed today. And these supplies are being distributed directly to the hospitals and healthcare providers all across the nation. So that that uh, massive amount of material that we're getting in is being delivered all over the country. Tomorrow we'll deliver an additional 600,000 N95 masks to New York City to take care of the needs of the public hospital system. Uh, it was a request of Mayor de Blasio. We've been working great with Mayor de Blasio. Uh, getting him a lot of stuff. He's working very hard, I can tell you that. And uh, we're working really very hard with New York City and with New York State. And at the request of Congressman Lee Zeldin out in Long Island, we will also be delivering another 200,000 N95 masks to Suffolk County, where they need it very badly. So we're getting that out on an emergency basis. Should be there tomorrow. Didn't do that to the mayor who actually is in charge of the Mardi Gras. And he had two damn governors on that had St. Patrick's Day events. One was from Illinois. And he never asked him, why'd you let St. Patrick's Day happen? Because he's not a journalist. Their ratings are so bad right now. They failed to crack the top 20. I'm not going to break it down. Their first quarter numbers are horrible. Just horrible. Because they spend all their time just bashing the briefing over and over and over. Because they're from New York and they all feel sorry for themselves. And they hate their lives. So they got to lash out. And every other state, every other fucking province in the country, and make it about them. Why aren't people feeling sorry for us? From Slate, the last time New York was the center of a catastrophe, America rallied behind it. The nation's reaction to the coronavirus outbreak is different. It's a tale of two cities. Yet it's about the exact same city in two very different times. 18 years ago, in the wake of September 11th, New York City became America's city, and Rudy Giuliani became America's mayor. Now, as the coronavirus crashes in an underpaired country, New York City has again experienced something unthinkable, but this time it's doing so as an outsider, a criminal, an unwelcome foreigner. What's changed? Surely New York's the same New York it was 18 years ago. What changed? It would seem as the rest of America. And the hours and days after planes, blah, blah, blah. It loved the way New Yorkers pulled together, blah, blah, blah. America loved firefighters. America loved New York's bustle. The city and the Twin Towers, blah, 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 blah. Let me get down to the part. As of this writing, New York City is, has more deceased people and da-da-da. And this person wrote it all. Uh, it, it went that crazy. 1,500 people dead. They've just blown the fuck up. Um, 
But this time, New York City has not received an outpouring of national love and support. Instead, it has been shunned and shamed. The president in particular seems to have no allegiance to his former hometown. New York Governor Cuomo himself outspoken the criticism of the Trump administration. Trump has responded to urgent requests for help. Not only has the president been slow to send federal aid to the city, but last week he announced that he believed the city and its hospitals were actually untruthful. On Sunday, he went further. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, checkpoints in Florida, southern states, and Florida sucks, and you suck, everybody sucks, and he closes it with this. The strangest thing is simply that New York is the same greedy, insomniac, starving, pushy, wise-cracking, big-hearted place it's been since 9-11. Americans need to hate her today because everyone needs to hate everything and everything now. Just when you needed to rally together in a fight against death, we are realizing we've been primed to fight one another to the death instead. Even if the myriad historical acts of pulling together after national tragedies were planted in fantasy more than a fact, the alternative of vicious and slashing vilification of the other will not keep any of us Safe or free. Projection. It's not southern states saying, I hope more people in New York get it. It's people in New York saying, I hope southern states get it so we can say Fox and Trump killed Americans. Every politician in New York has blamed the federal government instead of looking at themselves and going, what did we do to prepare? If Donald Trump would have gone into office and nationalized the supply system, you know there would have been a fucking impeachment inquiry. Now, why won't he nationalize the supply system? There's no right for this. You guys just want to make it up as you go along. The next star goes, Huppo, home is not a safe place for everyone. I watched Jimmy Fallon last night. The big deal is domestic violence. And Lady Gaga going on about how people don't want to be in their house. And how horrible this is. There's always an angle for you people. And there's always hate. Jenna Friedman still on Twitter. Guys have put out information about hydrochloroquine and been suspended from Twitter. This piece of shit. Breaking news, Stephen Miller's tested positive for COVID. Trump lies to public average 13 times a day. His lies are continually amplified by the press, too. I now see why since tweeting this, I've gained 1,000 followers and been blocked by at least one Wall Street Journal reporter. If you think this tweet is a problem, you're an idiot. And it still gets to be up there. Later, because the tweet came from April 1st, I deleted the tweet, terrorist win. First off, it devalues Twitter and information you find on the internet. Secondly, I'm not a news source, I'm a comic. A news source is what you probably meant to say. Then the media and the left went on Trump on why he won't wear a face mask. Wearing a face mask as I greet presidents, prime ministers, dictators, king, queens. I don't know. Some I just don't see myself. Asked why he won't wear a covering, Trump. I just don't want to wear one myself. I'm feeling good. I just don't want to. Somehow sitting in the Oval Office. Philip Rucker. A line of new guideline. Trump says, fuck it. And that became a whole day. A whole day of why won't he wear the mask. Will someone make him a mega, a mega mask so he'll wear it? And then the gem of all briefings. This is journalism in 2020. Let's close the fucking grocery stores. Yeah, uh, 
you know, obviously we know anyone can spread the disease, right, unwittingly. Right. So why even not have a few businesses open? Why not just shut everything down? There are grocery stores that are open, fast food places. Why even take a little chance to shut well, all we're down? Have to, we'll answer that question later. All I can say is that right now things are looking really good and opening up with a bang will be a great thing and there's nobody going to be happier than me. How fucking stupid are these people? See, they're so detached from regular life. We don't have bodegas on every corner. We go to grocery stores. We're not eating spam. We're making our own bread and meals that last days. Me and my wife just ate our third day of my famous spaghetti and her famous meatballs. We ate it for three fucking days. It was delicious. I'm not complaining. We're being thrifty. Every trip we've gone out to a store is for stuff we need. We needed dog food, cat food, kitty litter. The only thing in the cart that wasn't necessary was wet and forget, weed feed, grass killer, and what else did I get? Oh, and bombs for the bugs and some bug spray. So that's why I went to a rural king. I did my taxes yesterday. I handed them through a slot in the door. We talked. They passed me a clipboard. I signed it. I handed it back. One hour later, I proved it online. I'm getting a lot of money back. That's just because it was the end of my wife's death benefits. So we paid too much taxes on it. We paid like 4000 out of ten. <clears throat> we're We're abiding down here. We're not going to the grocery store and just hanging the fuck out. And when I went to the grocery store the other day, and when I went to Rural King yesterday, as I've documented on every fucking podcast, people are in masks. They're making their own. Because that was the next thing. Not only am I not wearing it, Vox crossed her timeline when they alert readers of CDC updating its guidance. Update. The CDC is now reporting considering updating its guidance on face masks. Read our latest story. Oh, and face masks. You can pass on them. Masks are only useful if you have a respiratory infection already and want to limit the risk of spreading. These are all on the same day. Say the CDC is basically wrong. Or you're working in a hospital. You don't need a mask to avoid coronavirus. Masks are only useful if you already have a respiratory infection. Matt Inglazy, after everybody attacked him, went, what the fuck? To people asking where you can buy a mask, I don't know. I ordered mine in February when they were available. But here's a guide to make one. Pinboard. Three shots at a chaser. Vox.com journalists spent January and February telling you not to wear a mask and that there would be no pandemic while buying out the stock. And they show them. Question, I'm worried about the coronavirus. Should I buy a mask? A, the risk to the U.S. public is currently deemed low. Nearly every health expert Vox spoke to said there's no good evidence to support wearing a mask or this will be a pandemic. Other one, the coronavirus outbreak is expected the U.S. and health officials say it shouldn't be that bad. Go to China. <laughs> Basically the article. Yiglazy was buying masks for personal use while Vox was publishing articles telling people not to do it. The recommendation did start changing in late March. Look at the dates. He then freaked the fuck out. Since everyone is feeling chippy today, the early U.S. government guidance on masks was obviously very bad. Masks are only helpful if you're already sick, even if it's true, is very consistent with you should own a mask in case you get sick. William Wolfram, nothing quite says our advice are dangerously wrong more than starting a treat with since everyone is feeling chippy. 
But speaking personally, Matt Inglesi said, my first public commentary on masks is a public health issue, February 29th, four days after I ordered one, was to question the contingency of the U.S. government mask message. Greg Polowitz sums it up. The South. And a picture of a number two bus, April 2nd, 6 p.m., nut to butt full of people, a few in mask, most not, and you wonder why the fucking outbreak's happening. John Schluch, journalists are risking their own health to provide life-saving information to a nation sheltering in place. We risk public health with layoffs or furrow. This was on the same thing. People, case study for inflated self-worth. My want... My wanna get may want to get over yourself just a bit a smidge. Nobody respects propagandists anymore. The illusion has been shattered. Information flows freely without these liars changing the information. <clears throat> Why people are not believing the media is this. Molly Hemingway. Far left media group asked FCC to censor Trump press conference. Lefties and media people get on board. This is the article. An influential far-left media group has petitioned the Federal Communication Commission to develop a wide-ranging censorship plan of Donald Trump press conferences. Free Press, the group called for censorship of broadcasts of the press conference, saying it petitioned that it's a life-and-death issue. They're asking the FCC to limit the public right to hear directly from the president and the federal government handling of the global pandemic. They and the broadcast of the press conference come with a pronoun disclaimer, and that media figures with different political views and the progressive organization be further censored. Free Press argued that a man without COVID-19 who died after ingesting fish tank, cl- fish tank cleaner, boom, still stuck on it. Maggie Haberman, what do you have to lose? The president asked to trying chloroquine. They're still pushing it. Yami, Yamichi Alcindor, President Trump is now urging people to try an unproven treatment for coronavirus. They are proven. The SEC allowed it. It's been allowed. John Farvero. Just your life, I suppose, to Maggie Haberman. Bruce Exotic. The drug has been approved since 1955, you morons. Bay Area Fro. Funny, because Fauci himself said that he would use it if he was tested positive. Brian Seltzer. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to prepare for a long-term life at home. More than a week or two, more than a month, is currently prescribed by the President's Task Force. I'm thinking in terms of months, plural, and trying to plan accordingly. That was his first tweet of the day. Almost like you're not worried about losing your non-essential job. His second one... Why today's White House briefing was disturbing presidential misinformation from the podium, dangerous and unconfirmed claims about hydrochloroquine, gratuitous shot at rival politicians. It's so dangerous. Here's the seltzer clips. Right now, the media has such an important, a really crucial role in informing the public about safety guidelines, about what's happening right now with coronavirus. We carry much of the White House briefing live each day here on CNN. Dr. Fauci participates in CNN town halls, and yet the president is telling the public not to trust us. And that's one of the reasons why this was a disturbing briefing today. Not really a briefing. These are very long. Long can be a good thing when the president and his experts provide lots of important and useful information. But when there's misinformation and diversions and distractions, when he's talking about his, his rivals for president, when he's talking about you know, Ukraine and other stories, 
it is disturbing to see him wasting time in the middle of a pandemic. To your point, Anna, the media is so essential in this moment because it is the megaphone to get information to the public about this health crisis. Let's take these masks, for example. Just in the past couple of days, Americans are being told to consider wearing masks when they go out uh, around cities, around communities. I was out in New York City today reporting, uh, and the masks have appeared almost overnight. People are listening very carefully to what public leaders and public officials are saying. So when the president says BS, or when he says information that's not vetted, it's very dangerous. His comments today about uh, hydro, uh, chlor- uh, hydrochloricin, you know, where he's urging people to consider taking it, saying try it if you'd like. This is so disturbing to hear him doing this. And my wife takes a version of that drug called Plaquenil for her rheumatoid arthritis. And there are so many Americans like her who are having to worry about not having access to the drug they need for their lives because the president's out there touting an unproven uh, idea of a possible cure. Let's see if this drug is useful with COVID-19. We don't yet know. That's what Dr. Fauci and others say. But the president continues to provide this unvetted and unconfirmed information to the public. Yesterday, there was a doctor from L.A. It was on L.A. 5 who talked about giving this to patients and within 8 to 12 hours, they had no symptoms. Because of Twitter's policy and because the left is trying to use this to get Trump impeached, I guess. I don't know what they're trying to use it for. Literally, my friends, it's off the internet. By the time I tried to get it last night, I couldn't get the soundbite. It was gone. It doesn't exist. Everybody's using it. The video from the guy from Hawaii 5 he took it off his Instagram. Because now that's the push. Trump is talking about it because he's talking to specialists and they're saying it's working. The media wants to still go back to fish tank cleaner. Which now takes me to a selfless plug. I saw the White House was disturbing tweet. And I responded to it. I found a website called Githy. Everybody in the world goes, you just found it? Yeah, I was never a GIF guy. Um, so, I downloaded a bunch of GIFs. I was looking for stuff for my grandkids, but I got a bunch of ones I could use for Twitter. And one is the guy, the Oriental guy, on 911 carrying a body, and it's like fire, and he's just, Burr. and then a dumpster fire, with firefighters putting it out. So I tweeted... Brian sees himself like this and tweeted the picture of the guy being heroic. We see him in his network like this, and it started going viral. I started getting all, I got like 100 likes and retweets, and I didn't understand. So I went to a website, and those have been with the show a long time. One of the websites I get my information from is twitchy.com. They carried my tweet. And it's the first time it's ever happened. I was so excited, I sent it to my brother Matt in Oregon and said, Look at I was carrying on today. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool. So the salty one at FOP Tony Reed was carried on that. And hopefully I got some new users out there. 
So, if more new listeners came off that tweet, thanks for giving it a shot. I hope it's entertaining. Stick around. I'm going to get out of the politics. The second part of the show is usually really, really fun. So, other replies to Seltzer. Guy Foe. Um, must keep narrative, fear narrative going. True grit. Brian Seltzer's trying to stoke fear about coronavirus treatment in hopes of prolonging the crisis and causing more damage. That's the only reason I can think they're doing this. There's so much anecdotal evidence. It's all over Twitter until Twitter takes it down. They just keep taking it down. Here's another Seltzer soundbite. Uh, who was diagnosed with COVID-19 and is now recovered. Sarah Maslamir coming up later this hour. The first leadership in crisis. This week, President Trump was praised for his tone. He soberly told the country that the great shutdown of 2020 is necessary because COVID-19 could claim the lives of 2.2 million Americans otherwise. So let's take a quick look at what else he said and did this week. As we consider his tone, he celebrated the TV ratings for his briefings. He bragged about his popularity on Facebook. He hyped up a drug despite concern about it from the government's top doctors. That was at Saturday's briefing. You know what's happened at the briefings here. They've been taking up more and more time, and Trump has been taking up more and more time than the task force's medical experts have been. And he is still getting lots of facts wrong at these briefings. One day he said scarves work better than masks. One day he said airplane and train travelers are being given very strong tests for the virus before departure and after arrival. That is not true. Maybe it should be true, but it's not. He also said that new small business loan program has been flawless. There have actually been many glitches and problems with the rollout, but he said, I don't even hear of any glitch. This all makes me wonder if his aides are hiding bad news from him. All right, let me keep going. In a call with governors, President Trump said, I haven't heard about testing in weeks, even though testing remains a huge problem. We, he falsely claimed that the U.S. is doing the most testing per capita, when the U.S. is actually way behind uh, South Korea and Germany, for example. He repeatedly referred to the flu pandemic of 1917, even though it happened in 1918. He blamed prior administrations for stockpile shortages, even though he's been in office for more than three years. He made a big show of unpacking one of those really awesome new quick test kits, but he held it upside down and put it on display the wrong way. He called into Fox and Friends and griped about Nancy Pelosi and called the amazing city of San Francisco a slum. He took a swipe at former President Barack Obama's emissions rules and decried the Green New Deal. He got angry while watching Morning Joe, so he attacked the show's ratings. He got angry about CNN, so he called this network a joke. He berated multiple reporters on multiple days on live television. And he said, keeping us COVID, he said that keeping COVID-19 deaths in the U.S. to just 100,000 would be a very good job. A very good job. American healthcare workers and their patients deserve better than this. And reporters can help. Reporters are helping right now by tracking what's going on and holding institutions accountable. Local, state, and federal government institutions. There's a whole lot of revisionist history being penned right now. A lot of digging of the memory hole. The pro-Trump media is trying to bury the Trump White House's failures to fully protect and prepare the country from this pandemic. In the immortal words of White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham, there's no reason to go backwards and figure out TikToks of what happened when. We've got a crisis on our hands. Right, and the crisis is why we need to look backwards and learn from mistakes and make sure they are never made again. Look at this Associated Press headline from just today. U.S. wasted months before preparing for the viral, this virus pandemic. This was a 9-11 level failure of the federal government. It was. It needs to be talked about and covered and scrutinized that way. 
But, let me add a but here. Job number one, and story number one right now, is about the life-saving efforts underway. Story number one is about the hospitals and all we can all do to help. But I think story number two is about the government's delays and dysfunction, both months ago and also right now. That's true on the local level. There's a lot of states that I want to know more about, about what went wrong at the state level. But it's true at the federal level. To ignore it, or to cover it up, or to memory hole it, does a disservice to the dead. Let's talk about that with staff writer for The New Yorker, Susan Glasser. She is with me now. Uh, Greg, Greg, I say this is a 9-11 level failure of the government. What does it call for? A 9-11 style commission? So first of all, it's not a 9-11 level failure. It's much greater than that. As Andy Slavitt said uh, recently, it's the greatest public health failure in 100 years. So think of that. And think of the death toll in Afghanistan and Iraq, Vietnam. If any of the projections hold true, um, most of the wars that we've seen in our lifetime will be uh, dwarfed by the death toll of this pandemic. Now, we need what we need is really a Marshall Plan or, or a New Deal for public health. We need to scale up personal protective equipment. We're in April now, and we don't have these vital tools that doctors and nurses and healthcare workers need to protect themselves. We don't have the tests to diagnose people in the hospital, let alone figure out who has been exposed and, and recovered from the disease. We're still having conversations about how to get ventilators from Oregon to New York, uh, uh, you know, four months into this pandemic. And so, you know, we keep hearing stories on uh, in newspapers about the governors disagree or the experts are concerned about remarks made by the president or his actions or that his tone has changed. And now he's greeting the epidemic with a new level of seriousness. But we really need to know what's going on and we need to dig and find out why our responses are still failing and who's responsible. Because as, you, as your guests have said over the past few week, uh, few, few minutes, um, we are all now hearing people who have fallen ill with the disease. We know people who are getting sick and who are dying. Uh, and it's just going to get worse over the next weeks and months. And if we don't make a turnaround quickly, this is going to drag on for months, not for weeks. Um, I think the, the media needs to change and stop giving these daily briefings live and running stories where the president misstatements or lies are giving equal time as facts. We're leaving basic public health recommendations and information on the epidemic open to debate. And the way in which the stories are being told makes them controversial. And so people don't know what to do. Uh, this amplifies misinformation in a pandemic. And if you don't think it's true, look at the states that have refused to put social distancing orders into place uh, or states where the, the pre-COVID and the current daily travel hasn't really changed. These are states most often with Republican governors who are largely parroting what the president has said at one point or another. And it's not because these, these governors are watching Fox News 24-7. It's because you're giving equal time to, to misinformation uh, on CNN or in the pages of the New York Times. Uh, and we really need to switch our coverage into an emergency setting, as Jay Rosen from NYU has said. It means we have to ask this one fundamental question. Not just does it fairly represent what somebody said, but should we be amplifying statements, uh, absolute misstatements of fact, outright lies, and, and uh, obfuscation of, of the critical information we need to stop and prevent this epidemic? Yeah, you're saying that it causes so much confusion. Here's my theory. We're supposedly bending the curve, and at the end of April, which is, you know, 23 days away, this all goes away, and we're supposed to be a lot better. That's what the experts are saying, and you're already starting to see the cases slow down a little bit. Deaths are increasing. I just, once again, it's hard for me not to say CNN is just trying to keep fear-mongering. So that if they do start releasing some of it in areas that aren't hot spots, which is what I've said from the very beginning 
R- rural areas didn't need to be locked down. The urban areas did. They can continue to say, hey, he's killing people. They're trying to prolong this. There's no way not to see it as trying to prolong it so that the election's this way. There's already push from the left to do an investigation. There's a push for the left to do mail-in ballot harvesting elections. And everybody at CNN is on fear-mongering. Oliver Darcy, amid, amid a pandemic killing thousands of Americans, Trump continues to seek to undercut the credibility of CNN, which has actually reported the virus. Ac- accurately. Accurately, he said. Meanwhile, at the same time, Trump fox up, pops up Fox, which for weeks misled his viewers about the seriousness of it. Jason Beale does a play-by-play on Don Lemon. Just watched a segment on Don Lemon with Emily Baum and the LA Times. Something happened. First, the story is that Trump administration shut down a research program called PREDICT, which apparently examines the intersect of animals and human and nature. It's not true. So far, so good. Sounds like a good idea. They send researchers out in the field to take examples of viruses and animals to try to identify new viruses that we haven't seen yet. Okay, great. As Emily is describing the program, the CNN Chiron says, Trump MN shuts down early warning pandemic program just two months before coronavirus spread. Fair enough. Sounds like a legit gripe. Emily then explains over the Chiron that the administration didn't gut a permanent program, that this program operated on a grant cycle, and that they finished up the program and the grant wasn't renewed. So that's different. But even if it finished up, one would think we should keep a program like that going, right? Don asked Emily why the researchers she spoke with said closing the program was incredibly short-sighted. Her response was enlightening. The purpose of the program, as the title suggests, is to predict future pandemics. So with a little bit of funding that's left, $2 million out of $200 million that's being used to address this current pandemic. <clears throat> but it's not working towards identifying a next pathogen and the next one and that will jump over into humans and containing it so a lot of researchers who were involved in it say you need to continue funding this kind of research so you can prevent these kind of things on the front and rather than being very reactive when it finally lands in the human host okay deep breath he predicts researchers you spent 190 million dollars on a program you say was specifically designed to predict this exact pandemic situation by traveling the globe you were in wuhan at the virus center and collected samples to identify new viruses that may transmit to humans like this one 198 million spent on not finding the novel virus is killing us and ruining our economy despite operating in the very city from which the virus sprang arguably the easiest most warranted layup of non-renewal decision in the history of government you have the balls to tell us that the non-renewal of your grant is short-sighted because funding this program will prevent these kind of things on the front end rather than on the back end a couple things first holy shit it's stuff like this that makes me want to throw things second researchers i'm going to state the obvious here funding the program didn't prevent these kind of things on the front end it's right here on the back end we're being very reactive because it did land in a human host you failed at preventing the very thing you're warning won't be prevented unless we give you another 200 million dollars your program wasn't renewed because it was now demonstrable waste of money it didn't work junk science good decision but cnn knows They can bring the contagion guy on, and the tedious infected people will go, yeah, listen to contagion guy, a guy who wrote a script and had a couple couple conversations with fucking 
scientist, and now he's an expert. This is just one gigantic opportunity for the left to push Medicare for all, to push all the crazy shit. Here's a soundbite. Dim opportunities with AOC on the back end. You're going to hear a little ocean music. Oh, yeah, ocean. That's our little bumper today. And then we'll come into some more ugly, just ugly shit. People just, they're looking for any angle as they're, they're fucking holed up in their fucking condo that costs more than me and your houses put together and eating spam because they don't deal with normal life. They have people bring food to them. Let's talk really quickly about health care. This is a thing you talk about a lot. Um, here is a, the record, a record number of Americans are going to stress state Medicaid programs, those who've expanded Medicaid and bothered to do it. But Medicaid programs are going to be stressed. Here's Donald Trump on Thursday. Ask how newly laid off people will pay for health insurance. Here it is. Can you assure Americans tonight that you will reopen Obamacare marketplace so that they can be covered in this time of combined well, health we're, we're doing and better than financial yeah. crisis? No, I understand the question. We're doing better than that. Uh, we're going to try and get a cash payment to the people, and we're working out the mechanics of that with legislature. So we're going to try and get them a cash payment because just opening it up doesn't help as much. So we're going to work it out. So we're going to try and get for that certain group of people, it's a certain group of people, a cash payment. Uh, 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 Ali, are they expecting people to use the same little paltry $1,200 to buy health insurance? This is insane. No, why, no and that's, why not I mean, just the $1,200 reopen- isn't, yeah. It isn't going to pay for most people's rent. It isn't going to pay for most people's uh, groceries. It isn't going to pay for the child care that they may need. It's not going to pay for that. So the bottom line is $1,200, even if you had no other expenses, would hardly get you an insurance policy. And they're not reopening open enrollment. So uh, I don't know what the president was saying. That was a bit of a word salad. We're gonna, it's going to be better. It's going to be a specific group of people. We're working with the legislatures to get a cash payment. I don't know what he's talking about. But the bottom line is you know how many people forego health care in the best of times because they don't have the money for it in a pandemic you do not want people who say i don't want to get tested because if i've got coronavirus i don't have the coverage to get that treated this is the exact wrong moment for people who are broke to not get health care so that i don't know what the president is talking about i hope he's right there are 30 million people already without health care and that number is also going to go up yeah, and they're also trying to shut down all of the Affordable Care Act. They're still trying to fight it in court. Governors are still refusing yep. to expand uh, Medicare, Medicaid. You know what my in-laws are doing for health care during this crisis? Going to the doctor because they're in England where they have universal health care. Hello, yep. America. It would be so much easier if we had universal health care. Hello. So <laughs> Thank much you, easier. So, Mehdi Hassan, you've been in a single-payer system in the United Kingdom. I've been in one uh, in Canada. And, and actually, for all the other things outside of coronavirus, they do work well. The whole thing's been, um, been you know, it's, 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 it's been criticized in the United States because it feels like it's socialist, and, and they talk about lineups, and they talk about people dying in uh, hallways of hospitals. The fact is, none of that is actually true, yet... It doesn't, as Libby say, it doesn't, as Libby says, guarantee that the response to something like coronavirus would have been stronger or better. It would just mean that people wouldn't be worried about going bankrupt because they got sick. 
And not just worry about going bankrupt, Ali. Uh, if you look at health policy experts, they say that the U.S. was uniquely vulnerable to the spread of the pandemic because if you have a high uninsured population, people who delay getting tested because they're worried about the costs, delay getting their symptoms checked out, don't have access to a doctor or primary health care provider, that just lets the pandemic spread even more. And that's a problem almost unique to the United States amongst industrialized countries. And look, 10 million people, Ali, lost their jobs in the last two weeks of March. 10 million people. And in the U.S., that means you don't just lose your job and your income, you lose your health care. And if you, you know, could you come up with a better example of why it's so dumb to tie your health care to your employment status when you're in a situation with mass unemployment? We heard top Democratic presidential candidates, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, tell us over the last year, you can't have Medicare for all. You can't get rid of private health care insurance. Americans love their employer-sponsored plans. Yeah. What happens when you don't have an employer? What happens when you're looking at 30 to 40 million Americans unemployed? If, you, if we can't understand the case for Medicare for All now, we never will. Luckily, the polls this week show that 55% of Americans now support Medicare for All, a nine-month high, which is... Do you think that more needs to be done in the next package now that we've seen these appalling, historic unemployment numbers already just today? Yes. I mean, there's a long list of things. The OSHA, family and medical leave, more broadly interpreted, and free testing. Uh, the list goes on and on. Are you taking into consideration uh, green jobs, green infrastructure? Yes. We need it big, we need it bold, and we need it futuristic, which means green. I mean, there's a long list of things. Infrastructure, clean water, community health centers. Uh, the list goes on and on. Well, this is the case for universal health care. We absolutely have to transform our health care system. Absolutely, we see this as an opportunity to reshape uh, the way we do business and how we govern. A fully paid sick leave for all our workers. Student loan forgiveness. Cost-free treatment for the COVID-19. Whatever the costs are related to that. I mean, there's a long list of things. Internet, broadband, the grid. You have to have mobility. We need money uh, for the postal services. The national minimum wage should be $15, but that's not nearly enough. Uh, the list goes on and on. A national effort to enlist doctors, nurses, uh, hospital workers of all kinds. I think the government should step in. I believe the federal government should take over contracting uh, and acquiring all the medical supplies that we need. we got to have telehealth. we got to restructure the way we deliver health care. So yes, Jim Clyburn is a restructuring government guy. I mean, there's a long list of things. Rent suspensions, payment suspensions, mortgage suspensions, guaranteed housing, expand our public health care systems, drop the Medicare age to zero. Whatever way we can get this done, let's get it done. Uh, the list goes on and on. Why do you think no women presidents in U.S. history? Uh, misogyny. <laughs> And lack of rights and um, women of color, like black and a lot of other uh, women of color were ineligible to vote after the civil rights was passed. So um, a lot of catching up to do. And there's so many in our political system. It's like, I mean, you know, if you know, you know. Um, but aside from that, has organized a rent strike. Uh, that is... Okay, you just hear rent is not necessarily a rent strike. A rent organized action, um, which, you know, I encourage you to research or whatever, curious about that, um, but know that it's an action. It's not just like, like it's, it is a disciplined, organized um, 
and, and uh, to with you know demands, it often requires. Order. So make sure you um, you know do that, but uh, you know and and read about that if that's something you find you know curious. But um, all in all, just have the honest conversation with your land. You need just a break if you need. $500,000 if you can't pay at all. Have that conversation with the state of New York. Uh, Cuomo has called for a brim. They can talk to their bank. Have uh, a discussion with them. Um, but also, I have a larger conversation about capitalism because a lot of people's main aim has to do with just owning property, um, which, you know, there are some elements where, like, if you are doing repair, all these other things, it's, it's a conversation, but... Um, it's you know it's 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 that a lot of that exposes a lot uh, income and socioeconomic and so um, you know which they're there but I'm gonna move on to the next question but it's not an unimportant conversation um, and please continue to push and advocate for things like rent suspensions payment suspensions mortgage suspensions. Um, the guaranteed housing, and everyone, we need to expand our public health care systems, drop the Medicare age to zero. Some people are arguing for mass enrollment in TRICARE. Whatever way we can get this done, let's get it done. Because when there's 10 million people that have just been suspended or just been laid off or furloughed from work, that's 10 million people whose health insurance is now imperiled. And there is no reason why you getting laid off from work should be the, the, the animating basis for you not being able to see a doctor. Healthcare is a human right. You shouldn't get better healthcare because you have a high Your position and work, everyone should be able to have dignified access to health care. Many times I went to the dash when I worked in a restaurant. I can't tell you how many times I sat hours in a. This is supposed to be the richest society in the world, and I think what this crisis is showing us is that this is only a rich society for a very small amount of people, and it is a brutal, barbarian society for the vast majority of working-class Americans because 40% of us are couldn't even afford a $400 emergency before this thing started. This is more than a $400 emergency, and uh, we're really going to have to step up and completely change our approach to our public systems. And with that... We're going to head out. A lot of people are asking about shaving Riley's head. That's an ongoing conversation. Um, it may happen soon, maybe tomorrow. Um, but I forgot. That In an interesting uh, correlation to the coronavirus, if there is any, any silver lining, pollution levels way, way down. Take a look. This is what it looked like, our pollution looked like a year ago in and around the New York City area. Well, this year now, carbon monoxide levels are down nearly 50% because we're staying home. Out in Los Angeles, you can see how bad the pollution is. Well, it gets knocked down completely, but again, by over half over a year ago, from a year ago.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Mr. President, you have said nobody could have seen this pandemic coming. But in fact, Secretary Azar at a biodefense summit in April 2019 said, of course, the people, uh, of course, the thing that people ask, what keeps you most up at night in the biodefense world? Pandemic flu, of course. I think everyone in this room probably shares that concern. Your own Health and Human Services Secretary was aware that this had potential of being a very big problem around the world, a pandemic of this nature. Who dropped the ball? Guess what? We had very little medical supply also. All right. Uh, uh, go ahead. We'll get it back. We'll get you back. We'll get you back, please. What about that? Jim, I said we'll get you back. Yesterday, Jared Kushner said the notion of the federal stockpile was it's supposed to be our stockpile. It's not supposed to be state stockpiles that they then use. What did he mean by our oh, what are you asking? And I mean, it, given the fact that taxpayers from what's every that? state gotcha. pays I got you. No, it's not gotcha. Our, you know what our means? The United States of America. That's what it means. It what means the states. Our. Our. It means the United States of America. And then we take that our and we distribute it to the states. It's such a basic, simple question. And you try and make it sound so bad. You ought to be you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You know what? You ought to be ashamed. It's such a simple question. He said our and our means for the country. And our means for the states because the states are a part of the country. Don't make it sound bad. Don't make it sound bad. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead, back here. You just ask your question. You just ask your question in a very nasty tone. Let's go. Please, Mr. President, I gave you a perfect answer. You know it. It's starting to work around the globe in country after country. And then when we get through all of this, we can ask the questions about could we have done some piece of this better as a global community? I will remind you that on February 3rd, the head of the WHO said there was no reason to ever do a travel ban. You know, it wasn't until January 14th that we knew that there was human-to-human transmission. Rem- Burke, the president was saying this was going to go away. It's April. It is going to go away. This president, it you said it was going to go away in April. You said when it warmed up We're seeing an interesting uh, mix of messages from the president this weekend. He's both warning us about the fact that we're going to see a lot of deaths, unfortunately, and and musing about filling sports stadiums and church pews. Given your experience with the president, which you spell out in in your new book, how, how do you compute this? Well, all of the aspects of the Trump show are on vivid display here, Dan. The president uh, is center stage quite literally every day at those press conferences, viewing them, acting as if this is almost like a reality TV show. Uh, He talks about the numbers on one hand, the grin numbers about the disease, but also literally talking about the ratings of those press briefings and his management style you see he is playing the boss he listens to the experts but he is 
governing by gut. And this is why you see these wild swings in a single day. Yesterday uh, at that press conference, uh, depending on when you tuned in, you would think we were either just about to be over this or we were about to hit uh, the grimmest moments of this crisis. So this is the way it is, Dan. He loves a good fight, Donald Trump. Uh, he loves to be able to bully his opponents, to brand his opponents, to give them nicknames, to go after them in every possible way. But in this case, uh, he, it's off kilter because the opponent is a virus that doesn't care or respond to any of that. Well, there's clearly some tension, and sometimes you see it in front of the cameras. You, you've heard Anthony Fauci uh, frustrated. He talked recently about how he tries to uh, prepare the president for things to stay at these briefings, and the president doesn't say them. Uh, but the tension, the real tension uh, that I hear about behind the scenes is not uh, with the experts, but it's actually with the president's political advisors. He is incredibly frustrated, lashing out uh, because he is uh, frustrated with how he is being portrayed trade in the news media. He thinks that he is not getting a fair shake on this. Uh, again, back to the Trump show. He reads the reviews, and in this case, he hates the way the reviews are playing out. He took the lead at today's coronavirus task force briefing. Big headline today, likely to be the president saying this. This will probably be the worst week. He said a lot of other stuff, too, some of it nonsensical, some of it incoherent, some of it not consistent with what his doctors have had to say. I mean, it, is, it is extraordinary late on a Saturday afternoon uh, to be watching the president of the United States at a, at a news conference when the country is substantially locked down, 92 percent of Americans, and to deliver this angry outburst of grievance, of hurt, about his self-interest at a moment in time where minutes before he's alluding to the projections where hundreds of thousands of Americans will be dead, largely because of the slow and inept response of the Trump government to dealing with this crisis. And so I think this whole news conference shows someone so completely over his head for the magnitude of what's in front of the country. It was incoherent. It was rambling. There's no specifics. There's boogeymen and grievances all over the place. It really looks almost mentally like he's unraveling under under the pressure. It's just an extraordinary discomforting performance by the President of the United States in a crisis of, of, of great difficulty for the nation. Every decision that we're, ma that we're making is made to save lives. It's really our sole consideration. We want to save lives. We want as few lives lost as possible. It's therefore critical that certain media outlets stop spreading false rumors and creating fear and even panic with the public. It's just incredible. I could name them, but it's the same ones, always the same ones. I guess they're looking for ratings. I don't know what they're looking for. So bad for our country. And so bad. The people understand it. You look at the levels and approval ratings, and they're the lowest they've ever been for media. It's so bad for, for our country, so bad for the world. You've got to put it together for a little while, get this over with, and then go back to your fake news. During a national emergency, it's just essential that the federal decision makers cut through the fog of confusion in order to follow. Please. Um, Joe Biden actually just attacked you in a tweet. I don't know if you have seen it. He just what? Attacked you. He just said. Well, he didn't write anything. Look, he has people, he has professionals from the Democrats. Mr. President, let me just read what he said. He said Donald Trump is not responsible for the coronavirus. 
but he is responsible for failing to prepare our nation to respond to it. How do you respond okay. to that, sir? Uh, he didn't write that. That was done by a Democrat operative. He doesn't write. He doesn't. He's probably not even watching right now. Uh, and if he is, he doesn't understand what he's watching. But just so you understand, it was very nice what they wrote. I don't know. You know, they released it at a strange time. You know, sort of a strange time to release something like that. But he admitted I was right. And if you read the Federalist story, which most of you won't, because you don't want to, but you'd learn something. Because if you go, it goes through a chart, times. I was early. Dr. Fauci, I think, I don't think he's changed his mind, but he said it was a very important step when we stopped China from coming in from the specific area that was heavily infected. We'd have a whole different thing right now. So I don't really know what Joe Biden said. I don't really care. And again, I see every once in a while I'll say something, I'll make a speech, and then it'll be critiqued, and I'll get this beautiful, brilliant critique. Joe Biden didn't write that. Joe Biden didn't write that. He wished he did, but he... Uh, and where is Dr. Fauci? Uh, I don't know, but every time you ask that question, whenever he's not here, you look, you say, where is he? And you'll say, is there a problem? No problem whatsoever. Every time he's not here, sometimes I'll ask him to come because that's the first question that you and a couple of others from the fake news establishment ask is, where's Dr. Fauci? We're doing great together. Except we're covering a different subject today. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Mr. President, you have said nobody could have seen this pandemic coming. But in fact, Secretary Azar at a biodefense summit in April 2019 said, of course, the people, uh, of course, the thing that people ask, what keeps you most up at night in the biodefense world? Pandemic flu, of course. I think everyone in this room probably shares that concern. Your own Health and Human Services Secretary was aware that this had potential of being a very big problem around the world, a pandemic of this nature. Who dropped the ball? Well, I always knew that pandemics are one of the worst things could happen. Uh, there's been nothing like this since probably 1917. That was the big one in Europe. It started actually here and went to Europe, probably. Uh, uh, I've heard about Excuse me, wait a minute, let me finish. I've heard about this for a long time, pandemics. You don't want pandemics. And I don't think he was talking about a specific pandemic. He was talking about the threat of a pandemic could happen, and it could happen. Most people thought it wouldn't, and most people didn't understand the severity of it. This is very severe. What's happened is very severe. But I'd let you answer that. I assume that he was talking about the concept of a pandemic. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Actually, absolutely, for 15 years now, this country has had a massive effort at the federal, state, and local level of preparedness for pandemic. Now, uh, that largely has been, as I said in those remarks, about pandemic flu preparedness. Uh, we knew about SARS, we knew about MERS, which were earlier modifications or variants of the coronavirus. Uh, none of those achieved anything like what we're seeing today. But that's why for successive presidencies, including the leadership of President Trump, uh, there has been a great focus on pandemic preparedness. In fact, it was just in November, I believe, that the president signed the Pandemic Flu Preparedness Executive Order um, that we have, we've, and we have also uh, updated the Pandemic uh, Crisis Action Plan, which has been the playbook from which we've been working, the Pandemic Flu Plan, the, again, the action plan from which we have been working that coordinates the whole of government, whole of economy approach here. So uh, we've all been very focused on pandemic preparedness. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, but this particular strain of pandemic 
who would who would have known this particular strain? The secretaries are, if you were preparing for a pandemic, if this government were preparing for a pandemic, why is it we don't have enough masks? Why is it we don't have enough medical equipment in this Previous country? administrations gave us very little ammunition for the military and very little shelf space. Let, let me just tell you, you know it, you know the answer. Uh, the previous administration, uh, the shelves were empty. The shelves were empty. So what you should do is speak to the people from the previous administration, Jim, and ask them that question. Because the shelves were empty. And you know what else? The military shelves were also empty. We had no ammunition, literally. And that was said by one of your favorite generals. We have, sir, we have no ammunition. Guess what? We had very little medical supply also. All right. Go ahead. We'll get it back. We'll get you back. We'll get you back, please. Jim, I said we'll get you back. Please, go ahead. That's our briefing. Nothing's changed. It's still just a total waste of fucking time. And if I was president, I wouldn't even have one anymore. I would put out a Twitter briefing from Brinks and all them, let the president speak for a little bit, push it straight on Twitter, fuck the networks, it is just a circle jerk, they don't fucking care, it's every one of them, I mean, the fact that CNN guys are still going there and sniping when you're not even airing it, says what it is, it's a waste of time, because as stated on This Is America, it doesn't matter what he does, if this was Barack Obama, if you question hydrochloroquine, when the President of the United States, who talked to experts, says it's a good deal, you're a racist fucking un-American piece of shit. But now, it, it's just a free-for-all is stupid. They can't find enough angles. They're just sitting around finding angles. Glenn Kessler literally went back to the economy and the State of the Union. As we noted in our fact check, this is worth fact-checking because the average over three years is hardly comparable to four- to eight-year average for, for other presidents. And they picked apart his talking about the economy. Everybody lost their shit. Are you fucking shitting me? There's a virus killing everybody, and you're fact-checking what he said in the State of the Union, the very State of the Union that during the time he was talking about the economy, and he talked about the pandemic in the State of the Union. Nancy Pelosi was ripping it up. Yeah, so they're, they're just fucking garbage people. New York Times front page actually attacked Fox News for blaming China for the coronavirus. That's, they're still there, they're still Fox News. At a time when Americans are holding on to any piece of information they can get about the coronavirus, misinformation is more dangerous than ever. And it appears that even the most prominent voices in some media, I'm going to call it Fox, they ain't realizing it. Between March 9th and March 31st, many Americans kept going on about their normal lives, and a number of confirmed cases across the country rose by more than 185,000. I'm relieved to be talking about this with you because all week long you've been discussing it. You and I both share moms yeah. who watch Fox News. And you've called yeah. Fox News out and you've gotten a major response in the op-ed that you wrote calling them out for their coronavirus coverage. Tell us more about it. Yeah. 
Well, I wrote, I wasn't writing about Fox per se. It was my mom and the information she was getting. She had a lot of information that just was terrible, including that it was just like the flu and that she could go out and that there was no problem um, and that it was a democratic uh, talking point to score political points. And I, you know, that it, it was all kinds of really bad information. And I realized it was a lot of stuff that was being said on Fox. And so I just wrote about that. And then, uh, you know, Sean Hannity on Fox, sort of his head blew off just because I pointed out the obvious is that she, they're, they're news consumers of Fox and they let these people down. You have the primary source of misinformation about this health crisis, at least up until recently, coming from a news outlet that's target audience is the most vulnerable group of people to that disease or to that pandemic. And it's sort of this perfect storm where you have this entire community that over several years predating Trump, but certainly with Trump's presidency, um, has been taught not to trust the mainstream media. And and so you get to this sort of crazy perfect storm where all of a sudden the, the very people who are most vulnerable to this disease are simultaneously being given the worst information about it. What I've been talking to Fox Insiders over the last few days, there's a real concern inside the network that their early downplaying of the coronavirus actually exposes Fox News to potential legal um, action by viewers who maybe were misled and, and actually have died from this. You know, tr- I've heard that Trish Regan's um, uh, being taken off the air is, you know, reflective of this concern that Fox News is in big trouble by downplaying this virus. And so I think this is a case where Fox's coverage, if it actually winds up being proved that people died because of it, this is a new terrain in terms of being Fox being possibly held liable for their actions. Fox News has finally been forced to confront reality and the seriousness of the coronavirus outbreak. Now, a Washington state nonprofit has sued Fox News under the state's Consumer Protection Act, arguing that the network acted in bad faith by spreading false information about the virus and potentially putting their viewers in danger. Joining me now is the Attorney General of New York State, Letitia James. Um, as New York Attorney General, you know, and the state in which Fox News is headquartered, is there potential liability for those who downplay the seriousness of this virus in light of the fact that polls show that Fox News viewers are less likely to believe that it, that, it, that the threat is real? Joy, I don't know. I don't know all of the facts, and I've not read the paper. They're kicking your ass in the ratings. It always just looks like you're talking about ratings. Sarah Silverman. Now, since we're just in ugly shit, and then we're going to go straight in some positive shit, and then a Biden section really quick. Hates Trump supporters. Hatred is what I feel for these people. As we do nearly 20 days or so, virus, blah, blah, blah. Sarah Silverman fully admitted that they hate President Trump and what he considers pro-Trump media. The Trump-loving comedian told Twitterverse that she hates the president, his advisors like Counselor to President of the United States Kellyanne Conway, and pro-Trump media like Fox News, Sean Hannity. Considering she's among the crowd that accuses Trump of peddling hate, she became the very thing she swore not to. Retweeted a daily show compilation of conservatives in the media and working for the president making false or uneducated, uneducated assumptions about the virus on April 4th. Sure, it's a shame many folks were unaware of the extent of the national disaster, but Sarah put the current death toll on their hands. These people are responsible for thousands of deaths. People trust them, and they'll never take responsibility. Watch them rewrite history in front of our eyes. I don't think hatred is a productive, but it's what I feel toward these people. Hatred. Hatred. Alyssa Milano, who will cover in-depth 
on the Biden section, and you'll hear her in, after the positives. Dear Mr. President, November's coming. You're a disgrace and embarrassment. History will not be kind to you. Please stop talking. Best, Alyssa Milano. Twitter allowed Trump is a loser. I was going to cover it, but I'm not going to. It's the same old shit. And I tweeted to Twitter support. How can this trend? This will never trend under a Dem president. You will never allow it to trend. Do some positives and then Biden. Gutfeld. Rogan saying he might actually vote for Trump. So week four is almost upon us and my hair keeps growing. I'm starting to look like Fred Savage after a two week meth bender. I look like the guy who tried to pick up your daughter at the mall with business cards that said modeling agent in pencil. I look like some dude who tried to sell you a stolen eight track player outside a radio shack in 1979. I look like I once worked at the Sharper Image, but was fired for defiling a full-support body pillow. I look like the waiter who spit in your bullion base. Yep, it was only a month ago that I looked like this. And now I look like this. If that's me now, what will I look like in another month? But yet, we're handling it, America. We're calm, cool, contained, and unified. We are that way because we have learned to ignore the media. After all... Do you remember what they obsessed over before the pandemic? They all know that, in all likelihood, their behavior in this impeachment of President Donald Trump is going to end up in the first paragraph of their obituary someday. Truth was in short supply at the impeachment trial yesterday. In its place was a surreal parade of denial, lies, and gaslighting. He had a confederacy of dunces defending him in impeachment. Oh, so save us the lectures today, you bozos. Because while the virus brewed, they stewed over a losing battle that meant nothing. But that's the media. They can only juggle one ball at a time. They don't have blood on their hands, but they also don't have brains in their heads. But do you remember their other go-to conflict stories well before the pandemic? Always depicting America on the brink of civil war. Men versus women, black versus white, gay versus straight. Where did those stories go? Could it be they really weren't real at all, just media concoctions meant to imagine a false disunion? It was a good business plan selling conflict, but our steadfast unity obliterates that. For now, I'm sure at the moment the New York Times is doing a story with these headlines. The secret homophobia of the pandemic. Social distancing an excuse to marginalize minorities even more. Toilet paper. Why does it have to be white? I kid, but let's not forget when a few early voices said shut down the border or noted the virus's origins, they were called racist. Maybe that's died down for now. But will the things that died come back? The woke brigade have all but vanished. Perhaps this crisis exposes the uselessness of their identity obsessions. Or maybe it's just mutating Still, I do miss the good old days when Twitter was littered with purple-haired activists demanding an end to the tyranny of binary bathrooms. But things are changing. Look at the TV industry. Gone are the gleaming studios with airbrushed anchors. What have we replaced it with? Hosts in their kitchens, like this one. Technology kills viruses in just what? What did you do, Mom? Dad, holy crap! Ah, you gotta love Dad. Some of us dress down, some are forced to do their own hair and makeup. It's really bad for the guests of this show who are at home. They don't have TV makeup, stylists, or lighting that hide their imperfections. 
Now you see them as they really are, minus the tricks. So let's introduce them now on the West Coast. We've got the great podcaster, Dave Rubin. Great to see you, Dave. Also back again, Fox Business Network's Dagan McDowell. Always good to see her there, looking chipper as ever. On the West Coast, we have attorney and Fox News contributor Emily Campagno, looking fit. And here, as usual, we have Kat Timp. Clearly, we've relaxed our standards. It's true, even clothing giants like Walmart and Old Navy are selling tons of shirts, but not pants, meaning everyone is Donald Duckie Git, which makes sense, at least for anchors. I mean, why wear pants when you're always talking out of your ass? For example, what did the media do when faced with a man doing good deeds, i.e. the MyPillow guy, whose company now churns out 50,000 face masks a day? What do you think? It seems crazy to me that everyone's still taking them when you got the MyPillow guy uh, getting up there talking about reading the Bible. Then up came the guy from MyPillow who gave um, an update on his business, in part an ad for MyPillow. The president could come out, say a few words in terms of what his administration is doing, not have uh, these, you know, uh, PR stunts like Mr. Pillow coming out and, and giving a plug for his company. Mr. Pillow. Yes, they are so superior. Funny how these clods see an authentic American success story as a joke. I mean, this guy was a former crackhead who built a great business that turned it into an essential tool to fight an unseen enemy. And he gets mocked by these stupid wimps. Mike Lindell thrived after crack. These wimps can't even handle cracks from Trump. The media mocking Lindell are like drunk hecklers jeering a pro ball player whose sock drawer is bigger than their houses. In some, the media sucks. They pretend they always knew more about the pandemic. Not true. They called Trump racist when he shut down travel. Not true. They defend China's phony stats. A few shouted, hey, we're number one when America's cases of illness allegedly surpassed that country. Yeah, we were number one. But each day the media looks more like number two. But as these dopes obsessed over impeachment, I was lucky. I hated the hearings, which meant I had more time to look at other stuff. This was me while others were still breathing hard over impeachment. It's better to be safe than sorry. Uh, I won't I won't say the person I'm quoting, but you never lose an election by being safe uh, when it comes to disease. I do think it would be wise to have a temporary ban of uh, uh, travel from China. Taking precautionary steps is always good, especially when the horse has left the building. The ultimate reality is you got to restrict and ban travel. Uh, you've got to spend more money for testing, which is what we're doing. you got to quarantine. I'll be happy four months from now to admit that we panicked or we acted appropriately. But I don't want to say it now when we're flying blind. Hmm, so true. And here I was on Tucker. Why am I watching impeachment coverage all day? I suspect that months from now, or perhaps even years from now, when people look back at this time, coronavirus will be considered the bigger story than impeachment. <laughs> okay, that's not me. But I was thinking that. Look, I'm not saying I was there first. Far from it. I should have been screaming sooner. But a wise man once said, all good things could have been done sooner. And tonight, we can all do good things now and together. It's amazing. An entire country putting life on hold. Even though we're just sitting at home eating peanut butter out of a jar and Googling the names of our exes, it's still heroic. We are risking our livelihoods so others might live. And we aren't running away from the tough questions. Unlike the media who focus on what's racist today, 
We openly discuss how to balance the health of others with a precarious economy, knowing the media will call that insensitive, even as they think the same thing. So you and I, we aren't taking advantage of the calamity. This isn't survival of the fittest. It's the opposite. A countrywide pact to protect our most vulnerable citizens. We're not letting the chips fall where they may. We're trying to catch every chip. And we understand the need for optimism. Our economy is based on it. High expectations attract investments that fulfill those expectations. As long as we stay positive about this amazing economy, it can withstand anything. Because the economy is us. It's our energy, our minds. We aren't what the media paints us to be. In crisis, we don't return to our tribes. Instead, we become one. We don't need tribes. We don't even need pants. We got each other. Let's do this. Yeah, I, I want a choice of an actual president that's viable. I don't have one. So right. then you're going to ask me, well, which which of the non-viable people do you like best? Well, this is the this is the real issue with the Democratic Party. They've essentially made us all morons. Yeah, with this Joe Biden thing, they really have. <laughs> they made imagine? us all morons. Who do we need? I mean, can, who, I can't of, vote for that guy. I can't vote for him. I can't vote for him. I can't vote for Trump. There, I, I'd rather vote for Trump than him. I, I don't think he can handle anything. I mean, you're relying entirely on his cabinet. Like, if you want to talk about a an individual leader that can communicate, he can't do that. And, and we don't even know what the fuck he's going to be like after a year in office. The pressure of being the president of the United States right. is something that no one has ever prepared for. Right. The only one who seems to be fine with it is Trump, oddly enough. I mean, he doesn't seem to be aging at all or in any sort of decline. You know, Obama, like, almost immediately started looking older. Yeah. George W. almost immediately started looking older. Well, I think that this is not a change in Trump. Like, Trump, in a weird way, has just always been this performative, uh, you know, like a fake alpha. Right, and he still plays golf all the time. Like, he hasn't switched up much. I mean, I'm sure he switched it up a little bit because of the pandemic, because he's apparently a germaphobe, which is hilarious, that this could be his demise. You know, I mean, isn't that kind of hilarious? That yeah, that, that might be what does him in. The guy's always been worried about germs, apparently. How does that work with his uh, active? Exp- I, I think the media and the left just realizing this, this, and why we're seeing all the crazy. I think they're starting to realize people are looking at Trump, going, "Well, you know, he's not doing a bad job in this. He's not melting down." The fight with the media and the dogging other politicians. They keep saying it's inappropriate. You know, I heard a lot on my last podcast of CNN saying, especially John King, about how this is a briefing and he has other forums and there's the benefit of the bully pulpit and da-da-da-da-da, but he shouldn't be doing it. He shouldn't be doing it because it's election season. He shouldn't be doing it. And it was more just throwing a little five-year-old tantrum because he can do what Obama did during a crisis and make it political because that's the bully pulpit. Whenever Obama lashed out at conservatives, uh, Fox News, you're going to go in the ditch, all cops are racist. When people said, well, was that appropriate for the briefing? It wasn't a political briefing. Back when CNN and MSNBC still had other voices other than the left on it, very few on MSNBC, but CNN did, they would say, well, that's the benefits of the presidency. The presidency allows you to use the bully pulpit. Incumbent presidents get to have that. That's just politics. Chuck Todd, that's just politics. Now, Trump's figuring out how to use the bully pulpit. Oh, that's inappropriate. This briefing 
should only be about coronavirus. He shouldn't be talking about any Democrats. He shouldn't be doing anything. But that's just, you're just a bunch of fucking hypocrites. To a short Biden, I, I gotta, um, hit some things. Steve Guest, over two months ago when Trump announced travel restrictions with China, Joe Biden was criticizing Trump for xenophobia. Today, Biden criticized Trump for the speed he enacted the travel ban. Biden didn't support the ban until April 3rd. Despite Dr. Anthony Fauci's support for the travel restriction, Joe Biden suggests they don't work. Biden tells real Donald Trump to listen to Fauci, yet Biden himself doesn't listen to Fauci. And that was all over the place of people going, yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's just a fucking piece of of shit. Here is the Biden soundbites. First one is going to be a lie. He outright lies. Then there's some mush mouse that tell me seriously, objectively, you want this guy to be president. You have to move swiftly and we have to move more rapidly. You have to implement the Defense Production Act and power supply commander, create a you know, uh, a, uh, a Defense Production Act for banks that get out small business loans, ramp up testing, a whole range of things. You got to go faster than slower. And we, we started off awfully slow. He indicated that uh, I complimented him on uh, on dealing with China. Well, you know, 45 nations had already moved to keep uh, um, uh, block China's uh, personnel from being able to come to the United States uh, before the president moved. Uh, so uh, it's just. And your campaign videos have been quite tough on the president. You say his failures, his incompetence are going to cost lives. Is that what's happening now? Well, look, what I have been saying is that he's moving too slow. The the virus is not his fault. There's, uh, but but the, the response is his responsibility. Look, there are a few things he can do. He can immediately and fully implement the Defense Production Act, which I and many others called for a long time ago, and he's just getting underway with it. There's still no Defense Supply Act, uh, Production Act for gloves, masks, all the things first responders need. We should create a bank Defense Production Act. We got to get those small business loans out. You saw what what American Express did. I mean, excuse me, Bank of America did. They came out and said, unless you already have loans with us, unless you've already worked with us, unless you have a credit card with us, we're not going to, we're not going to, even though they're government guaranteed loans, we're not going to process those loans. We've got to save jobs. We've got to save people's businesses. And they have to exponentially ramp up testing. We've been talking about 4 million tests are going to be available. Look, where, where, where's all this? Where is it? What, what's being done? You've got to open up enrollment for Obamacare. A lot of people don't have insurance. This president is trying Trying to take away Obamacare across the board was leave people naked to this problem that we're that we're facing, and and we have to finally get some data how these how uh, this coronavirus is really hurting African Americans and and uh, and and minority communities. These are things that should be done now, but you need a supply commander in charge of it all. And right out of the White House, right out of the direct response to the president. So we know where to get what we have to get and get it quickly. The case where we cannot let this, we've never allowed any crisis from the Civil War straight through to the pandemic of 17, all the way around 16. We have never, never let our democracy takes second fiddle way that we can both have a democracy and elections and at the same time correct the public health. One of the doctrines that you write about in your book, Hope of Glory, is this notion of empathy, this notion of that which you do to the least of us. 
How is that something that you feel President Trump and his movement have perverted? Well, we have children in cages at the border, right? We have a rhetoric of members of Congress should go home when home is their district, not their family's country of origin. Leave aside the religious part. America's always been stronger when we have not been isolationist, when we haven't built walls, when we've opened our arms. I've known you, John, for almost going on 40 years. Uh, <laughs> and it's hard to think we're that old. And I've never known your political orientation. I've never known whether you felt more of a Republican or a Democrat. And yet right now you said you would favor Joe Biden because he has certain character traits. Explain to me why you came to that conclusion. I think that we are seeing in the most elemental way the significance and relevance of a fact-based, enlightenment-driven, empathetic presidency of the United States. I wrote the piece about Vice President Biden because it seemed to me that at a certain point, if you have any claim on people's attention, however minor, you have a moral obligation to say what you think. And I believe that as we read more and more of these reconstructions, as we look at more and more of what we used to call the TikToks, we will see that the Trump administration, because of the character of the person at the top, created a reality distortion field that slowed and warped a response that is going to kill more people than the Vietnam War did. And in that case, given those stakes, and if there's a choice at hand, I don't mind saying who my choice would be. What the fuck is that guy saying? Seriously. What is he saying? Every time he gets on, he's, and they're still pushing him like he's a soothsayer. I think that's one of the inherent angers in the media. This election cycle's getting fucking, we gotta make Trump look bad, and we gotta stretch it out, because we gotta make the economy fucked up, because we want Trump to lose, but at the same time, nobody's seeing our new dear leader. But what they're forgetting, it's also saving him, because they're spiking the sexual abuse. They've done nothing. There's been very little coverage. There's a few articles he's been on. Nobody's asked him a simple, just a, a minuscule question about it. It's just definitely not grab the pussy territory. And Rose McGowan went to Twitter, and this was probably the best thing that could happen for people that are going, hey, this is hypocritical as fuck. Here he's actually being accused by a standing victim who said she's filed it before, but they buried it. It's everything wrong with Me Too. But the Me Too movement is just ignoring it. The network of cable networks have silenced and sex abuse claim against Joe Biden and the former staffer Tara Reid. It's part of my... MRC's Rich Noyles, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSDNC, and CNN avoided the allegation. Now actress and Me Too activist Rose McGowan is calling out a celebrity endorser of the former vice president in a tweet mo Monday afternoon. You are a fraud. This is about holding the media accountable. You go after Trump and Kavanaugh saying, believe victims, you are a lie. You have always been a lie. The corrupt DNC is on the smear job of Tara Reid. So are, are you. Shame. Alyssa Milano, 
I explained my silence on the allegation against Joe Biden in this clip. I am still endorsing Joe Biden. Listen to the clip to find out why. Well, let's do that. Alyssa, the other night I logged on to Twitter, and typically my Twitter experience these days is I go on and I look at what's trending just to see, okay, what? It's basically a way of telling me what people are talking about. And right. you were trending. Right. That's, what, that's what, how I do it, too. Yeah. What ha- What did you do that you were trending? <laughs> um, so it's actually it's actually quite a serious reason, okay. I think. Um, okay. So I've been – I endorsed Joe Biden. Okay, good. And there have been accusations against Joe um, about – sexual about a sexual assault right and people and were saying how so, can you do that because so you're... i was um i have not publicly said anything about this um and if you remember it kind of took me a long time to publicly say anything about about harvey as well okay. because i believe that um even though we should believe women and that is an important thing and what that statement really means is like you know, for so long, the the go-to has been not to believe them. So yeah. really, we have to sort of societally ch- change that mindset to believing women. But that does not mean at the expense of not, um, you know, giving men their due process and, and investigating like situations. I like um, that. And, and giving, you know... It, it, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be fair in in both directions. Okay. So you know, I've been very vocal about um, uh, Biden and my support for for him. I've known him for a long time, and um, I did do my due diligence. Due diligence, because part yeah. of it was that, um, and the the article that sort of stood out to me was that Times Up. Uh, decided not to take the case, uh-huh. um, and so you know that was did, important I, to you. That that I meant did, well, maybe there's more to this story here. Right, I did my work, and I and I spoke to Times Up, and I just don't feel comfortable throwing away a decent man that I've known for 15 years. Yep. Um, in this in this time of complete chaos, without there being. Um, a thorough investigation. Yeah. I'm sure that um, mainstream media would be jumping all over this um, as well. If, if you know, if they we weren't in a pandemic. Uh, oh, or if there was something. more. If there was more credible. If there was evidence you know, if, that was. If they found more evidence or, or through it. their investigate, so I'm just kind of staying quiet about it, and yeah. because I'm staying quiet about it, um, you Bernie were getting dragged on Twitter by Bernie Bros. Right, they're they're calling me hypocritical for for you know and saying that I'm a fake feminist and all of this all of this wow. stuff, and I'm still I'm still trying desperately to to you know to stand back and be sort of objective about this because um, I don't want this to, you know, I, I sent the Me Too tweet over two years ago. I, I, I never thought that it would be um, something that was going to destroy innocent men, right? Like, yep. we don't want that to happen either. 
So we have to find this balance in the Believe Women um, movement and also giving men their their due process and, um, you know, realizing that we were destroying lives um, if we publicly uh, don't go through the right steps in order to find out if if um, an accusation is is credible or not. She is such a fucking piece of shit. Harvey, this guy, it's the D. It is the D. People are pulling up like, Benny, it's kind of strange that after Joe Biden was accused of sexual harassment, his senior advisor, Simone D. Sanders, went through and deleted all her tweets about Kavanaugh. And they show it. She took every one of her tweets and just got rid of it. Because remember... This is what they were saying after a powerful testimony. I'm just reading one of uh, about 30. Um, our powerful testimony, we heard from Kavanaugh as he sat for the Senate Judiciary Committee and he oozed with privilege and looked like a man who had never been met with a challenge. He excluded partisan talking points and refused to call for investigation, declare his name. Prior to her testimony, her courage inspired me to tell my own story of college rape. Instead, many Republicans in the Senate embedded embarked on a campaign to discredit and undermine her intelligence after public pressure. Get, fuck it. We've read all this. Now, nothing. Nothing. They're just ignoring it. They're ignoring the whole fucking thing. Mark Hemingway. The hypocrisy and silence on display regarding the terror read charge is being, is a thing to behold. Remember, there's no evidence Kavanaugh and Blasey Four ever even met. Reed worked for Bayan. So her charges, while unproven, are much more credible. But they won't even touch it. Speak about it. Do anything. They're just ignoring it. But to us conservatives, that's what they did with Harvey Weinstein. There was no, oh my God, he's a believable woman. Because he was their shit, man. He was a huge donor. He gave all sorts of money to Hillary and Obama. He put out liberal fucking SJW fucking TV shows. Now they swipe his name off shit. Weinstein Company isn't a thing. If you watch a rerun, they're wiping it. It's what the left is on these things. Me Too only applies to conservatives. Political capital. That's when Me Too is a thing. It's not a thing for Democrats. If a video dropped today of Joe Biden saying, yeah, I love smelling hair, man. I get up on a girl and I smell hair. Oh, so sexy. They would play it 7,000 times for election. Just wouldn't happen. Just, just wouldn't. But locker room talk. How many times did you hear grab her by the pussy? I start saying to my wife, come here so I can grab you by a pussy. It was, it was like a catchphrase. They played it so much it no longer had any value. It actually didn't do what they wanted it to do, which is to revolt you. It didn't. Cause it was just over the top. It was constant playing cause they were trying to do 
the 7, 47%, man. It was all about the 47%. We're going to 47%. The fuck out of this motherfucker. It's what we do. So, there's your Biden. There's a bunch of other shit with donors are getting caught. A lot of people that supported him are fucking crooked as shit. It's been pretty bad. Want to hit the stats really quick? I meant to do this in the front. I didn't. Um, for March, we had a, quite a few listens, like 1,700. Clifton, New Jersey, I love you. San Francisco, I love you. Mountain View, California. Seattle, Washington, my home state. Clarksville, Tennessee. Love you, son. You must be listening again. Alcuda, Spain. Aspirin, Virginia. San Jose, California. Malala, Oregon. Hey, Matt in Oregon. And Fried Ber- Freiburg am Necker. I think I said that wrong in Germany. You're the top cities. Uh, the top tracks was uh, 3320B. 3720, then 311, 330, 313, 33, 1, 1320, 318, 1240, 20, and 2720 were the top tracks. And top countries are United States, Germany, Spain, Netherlands, United Kingdom, Jamaica, Singapore, Canada, Denmark, and Indonesia. To all of you listening, thank you so much. We're going to do another PSCB break. And we're going into college crazy. Oh, yeah. I got a little bit. Just a couple articles. I got to cover something. Large gay shit today. A little everything is racist. We're going to track down a author and then some liberal shit. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Who are you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? local? 
Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. 